This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the Olive Podcast. I'm Janine, Olive's Deputy Editor and Podcast Host, and each episode I'll be catching up with chefs, cookery writers, and characters from the food scene in Britain and beyond. Join us each week to expand your food knowledge as our guests share 10 things we need to know about the specialist subject. And do listen out for our effortless bonus episodes where they also reveal their top cooking cheats, hacks, and shortcuts. Delighted to welcome Alice Lassels to the podcast today. Alice is a drinks journalist, presenter and author of two books, 10 Cocktails, The Art of Convivial Drinking, and her latest, The Cocktail Edit, which we featured recently in the Christmas issue of Olive Magazine. Welcome, Alice. (laughs) Thank you, Janine. Lovely to be here. We've got a lot to get through, so we're going to get straight into it. Um, Congratulations on the new book. It's lovely. Can you start by telling us a little bit about the premise of it? Yes, well... Obviously, there are lots of cocktail books in the world already. And also, we have Google, which gives us access to thousands, if not millions, of different recipes. Uh, And I was thinking about that. Does the world need another cocktail book? But what occurred to me is really what I've learned over the 20 years that I've been writing about drinks is most cocktails are really just a variation on, you know, a handful or two of classics. And uh, that's really how I make cocktails at home and also how I cook. You know, you have about 10 things that you cook most of the time and really just tweak them a bit. And so I thought there was room for a cocktail book that really distilled it down to some of those classics and then showed you easy ways that you can twist and tweak those classics to make other drinks. Do you think there's been like a resurgence of people making cocktails at home, especially since lockdown when we were all forced to kind of make our own fun. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, You know, people have discovered and rediscovered the deliciousness of cocktails, but also the pleasure of that ritual and just taking some time to really sort of create something delicious and and beautiful and setting aside, you know, five minutes, 10 minutes, half an hour to enjoy that drink, hopefully with people, even if it is over Zoom. Sort of like (laughs) mindful drinking. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Love it. I know one thing people get worried about is that they might not have the right ingredients, but you say you don't necessarily need specialist spirits to start out. Yeah, that's one of the things I really want to emphasize in the book is you don't need expensive ingredients to make great cocktails. In fact, I think often the more sort of affordable classic brands are better for cocktails because you want something that's a good team player rather than, you know, some fancy spirit that wants to be the star of the show. So that's good news, you know, for all of us at home cocktail makers, those those kind of 
brands that you see in the supermarket are often the best for mixed drinks. So just your just your basic gin that that's fine. Yeah, you don't classic have to... London Dry di- gin. You know, uh, a really sort of familiar brand of Red Vermouth. Those bitters, you know, that everybody probably has in their house already. Yeah. Those are the kind of things that tend to make the best. How do you feel about kind of supermarket owned brands if people wanted to get really budget about? Yeah, it? well, a lot of those are actually made by yeah. the, the the big names. You just don't know it, so uh, you can often find some hidden gems there yeah. at a great price. Definitely. So just try, and if you like the flavors, then go yeah, with it. Definitely, yeah, that's cool. Um, Let's talk about some easy cocktail upgrades involving chilling and ice. I I love an ice cold drink. In fact, I'm quite fanatical about it. Um, So this is something I'm totally behind. Um, Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, well, one of the easiest ways you can upgrade pretty much any cocktail is to freeze your glass first. So while you're mixing the drink, just Put it in the freezer for a minute or two, or even better, clear a bit of space in the freezer and just have a couple of cocktail glasses on standby at all times because a really deep frozen glass is not just great for the drink, doesn't just make it colder, but makes it really mouth-watering and tantalizing to look at and to touch as well. So I think freezing glassware... Do it for your friends and they'll instantly be like, wow, this is like having a really fancy cocktail in a bar, you know. Is there like, is there a standard, um, you know, set of glasses that you should have if you are mm. making cocktails? You mm. know, can people like maybe go and buy a couple of things that they should have? Mm. Well, I, I have to admit straight away that, you know, I have a huge <laughs> amount of glassware just because I enjoy having yeah. different types of glassware. Um, you know, things from flea markets and my granny's yeah. old liqueur glasses oh, and all of these sort of things. But actually in the book, I I boil it down to two or maybe three glasses that you need. So one really good stemmed cocktail glass. Yeah. Um, I, a lot of cocktail glasses these days are too big. So if you think of those kind of sex yeah. in the city kind those of fish bowls, glasses, you know. Yeah. And the two, there's two reasons why that's not good. I mean, one, you end up with an absolutely yeah. like insurmountably large and strong drink. But also the problem is that your drink is sort of warm or tepid hot you know, by the time you're yeah. halfway down the drink. And it's better to have little tiny cold ones and have several yeah. than one massive tepid one. So I definitely always err on the smaller side. A really good model to go for um, is something called a Nick and Nora. It's a kind of classic design, um, sort of mid-century design, sort of 1930s mid-century design. And it's sort of midway between the teeny tiny cocktail glass and the bigger size. And it okay. covers all eventualities. So uh, a Nick and Nora is a good one. There are lots of Different companies that do okay. twists on a Nicanora. That would be my co- stemmed cocktail glass. And then just a really nice, chunky rocks glass. And you could probably get by with um, just those two. A tall highball is great it's to have as, as well. well yeah. But you can add a push. You can drink, you know, a highball yeah. out of a rocks glass. But if you're really getting into it, I mean, three glasses is great, isn't it? That's not a lot to Yeah, yeah. To really Despite having millions of glasses, there are just a, a handful that I use most yeah. of the time. Um, and tell us about ice, because I know that that's also <laughs> very important. Yes, well, I'm so glad to hear that you are a fanatic <laughs> about cold drinks too. This is another really easy way to upgrade your drinks. Um, Brits in particular tend to be quite sort of puritanical about ice. You know, they they look at a yeah. drink with lots of ice in it and think like, ooh, that's very extravagant with ice, or ooh, <laughs> that means I'm not going to get enough of the actual drink in the glass, you know. But the reason for using a lot of ice is uh, the more you use, the slower it melts. So okay. actually, you end up with a drink that's much colder, but less dilute because the ice yeah. is melting slower. So it works much more efficiently if you use more of it. You know, frozen water, it's not too extravagant no. an ingredient, and yet 
it also helps to preserve fizz, so your drink will stay fizzy for longer if it's colder. And it also just gets all those flavours up on their toes, you know, yeah. makes things taste crisper and more vivid. Um, so ice is a Consider it, you know, the, the final ingredient in any drink. So whether you're shaking, stirring or serving, you know, just a plain old G&T, go for loads of ice. And the bigger those cubes are as well, the slower they will melt. And there's lots of different types of ice that you can use. I don't know if you'd yeah. like to talk about that, but that's something yeah, else t- I talk about Yeah, let's talk about, about ice. I'm quite interested <laughs> in that. <laughs> you can see my face. I'm like, well, let's have a deep dive into one of my favourite subjects. All right, well, <laughs> I'd definitely go mad if someone gives me a gin and tonic with two little melty ice cubes in it. Like in the in the, the Queen Vic, they always have, give yeah, it an old-fashioned yeah, wine glass. It one, makes me twitch. Yeah, half a bit of, um, <laughs> of lemon and no ice and a gin and tonic, and it's horrific. So there's a little tiny... <laughs> The first thing you need to do is get a better ice tray because those little teeny tiny ones that come free, Mm. you know, in your freezer are good for nothing. By the time you've got the last ice cube out, the first one is generally melted already. So get a nice big ice tray. There are lots of great ones that you can find on the internet these days for really not a lot of money. Um, You know, you want to go for a cube. My dream cube would probably be about two and a half, (laughs) three centimetres cubed, something like that. Um, So lovely ice cubes, all buy them in big bags from the supermarket. Of course, a lot of supermarkets do crushed as well now, which is a great labour-saving option. The other thing I really like to do is get a a Tupperware box and fill it up with water um, and freeze it overnight and then hack it into big, irregular icebergs. You know, you can just do it. I just use like a knife and a mallet, you you know. (laughs) Put it, before you hack it, um, put it on a tea towel, spread out a tea towel on the table and put the block Mm -hmm. on that so then it doesn't slide all over the place. It's a great stress reliever and those irregular hunks look, you know, amazing in a Negroni or an old-fashioned or something But please be safe when you're doing it. Health and safety. Yes, yes. (laughs) Please do. Don't let your children do anything like that. If you want... Another thing that people often talk about is clear ice. How do you get clear yeah. ice? I'm afraid there isn't an easy answer to this because um, the thing that makes ice cloudy isn't actually impurities in the water. It's air bubbles. So, you know, filtering or boiling your water won't really make much of a difference. It might make your ice taste nicer, certainly filtering your water. But uh, it it's very time-consuming to get clear ice. It is possible. There's lots of kind of bearded men on YouTube who are happy to tell you how, but it takes a long time. It's and next level. I haven't got the patience. So <laughs> for a really special occasion, what I'd do is um, go to a specialist ice company, and there are a few of those today, oh. particularly since lockdown, yeah. actually, because a lot of them had to pivot from supplying bars and started doing sort of home delivery. delivery. And you can get a nice sort of pillowcase full of beautiful ice blocks for not insane amounts of money. And that's lovely for a real treat, you know, crystal clear ice block in an yeah. old-fashioned is one. I love that. Garnishes, another way of finishing a drink off. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us about that. Okay, well, there's there's a handful of garnishes that are great to have under your belt or ways of just making that garnish pop a bit more. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, we have the citrus wedge. Um, I would just say go for the freshest fruit you can mm-hmm. and cut a nice big fat wedge. You know, it's really d- depressing as well having a gin and tonic that's not only got two melty ice cubes yeah. but a really floppy <laughs> little bit of, like, old, thin, old lemon. I mean, that's yeah. not going to add anything to mm-hmm. the drink. So cut a nice big 
fat wedge. The other garnish I use all the time is a twist. Um, so that's really just a, a twist of citrus peel. And instead of bringing sort of acidic juice to the drink like a wedge does, it brings mm. the beautiful scented citrus oils that you get in the skin. So the easiest way to do that is to get a speed peeler and just, you know, peel off a sort mm. of thumb-sized piece of peel off a nice taut fresh orange lemon or grapefruit or something fancy like a yuzu or pomelo or something and then hold it shiny side down over the drink give it a little pinch so that those oils spray uh, over the top of the drink wipe the twist around the rim of the glass and then either drop it in or throw it away depending on what you want to do and so that as you lift the drink to your mouth you get those wonderful aromas you know meeting yeah i've seen the guys making the cocktails like light the oils as well oh yes you can do that (laughs) the Cosmo is particularly famous for having a flamed orange twist Uh, another dangerous thing you can do at home Um, it looks it's not too hard to do actually Um, and it looks fun but I'm not sure it actually adds that much flavour I I do love the idea of you know instead of just putting a wedge in you actually twist it and it it sounds so simple but it's such a lovely thing to do and I add twists to um you know, glasses of water and sort of non-alcoholic drinks mm. as well. And also uh, a cup of hot water, um, which is known in Italy as a canary, they call it, because it infuses hot water with, oh, you know, wow. a little bit of yellow yeah. colour, in fact, as well. And I know you're quite um, particular about what cherries you use. Yes, I am. Sometimes you want a nice sort of tacky, plasticky, neon pink cherry. Yeah. And then, you know, Opie's is the one to go for with the stalk on. That always takes me back to being a child and watching my parents have a cocktail and then being given a cherry to have. So that's always exciting for me. But um, the really gold standard cocktail cherry is probably the Luxardo Maraschino cherry, which are actually non-alcoholic. So, you know, you can put them on puddings and stuff like that as well. And they're sort of gloopy, glistening, black sort of flavour bombs and they're lovely in a Manhattan or an old-fashioned. And you can, I think you can use the syrup from the jar as well. That's right, yeah. Really good if you're making a sweet Manhattan or just sort of sweetening up anything um, and like I say puddings as well or ice yeah. cream or just yogurt. eating them from the jar well yes I must admit I do a bit of that as well yeah um, talking about syrups I know mm. that you're a big fan of making your own sugar syrup I mean is it easy to mm. do that because they, they pop up in all cocktails yeah they? exactly it's one of the essential ingredients in your arsenal really and uh, you can buy ready-made sugar syrups but it's so easy to make your own you just take two cups of sugar one cup of water, put it in a saucepan and just heat it on a sort of medium yeah. heat until the sugar's dissolved. Let it cool down, bottle it, and then I just keep it in a swing top bottle in the fridge and door. You, yeah. um, and the lovely thing about making your own sugar syrups is that then you can infuse them with all sorts of other things. So I've got a whole chapter in my book about gimlets. So the way I make a gimlet, rather than using Rose's Lime Cordial, um, I make it with gin, some fresh lime, um, a bit of lime peel and sugar syrup. Mm-hmm. and that, But then you can infuse the sugar syrups with all kinds of other things. So I've made gimlets with like uh, geranium leaves or fig leaves. Um, you can also heat up a syrup, you know, with some grapefruit peel or rose hip as mm-hmm. well as in there. So uh, you can you can play around with, you know, whatever's in your window box yeah. or in your garden as long as can it's edible, obviously. can get quite experimental. Yeah, and uh, it's just super easy. Mm-hmm. A lot of those... Um, more delicate kind of herbs and flowers, you literally just put them in a cold sugar syrup and leave them to infuse oh, wow. for a few hours. And they will just exhale their lovely yeah. 
scent into the sugar syrup. And, you know, you, uh, that's another thing you can use on desserts and drizzle over cakes, you know, sponge cake. Or yeah, like so mul- well. multitaskers as well. I like that. Yeah. Um, so we talked about glassware before. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a bit about kit. Do we need specialist kit to put together cocktails? Well... I have made cocktails, you know, with a, a rolling pin and a sieve <laughs> and a jam jar we all <laughs> under duress. But uh, I definitely <clears throat> think having a few bits of kit will make it more fun yeah. more than anything. Uh, again, they don't need to be expensive. The, the cocktail shaker I use is a classic model called a Boston, which is just um, a tin and glass. You'll see most bartenders use this as well. It's just the simplest kind of... It looks like a pint glass, yeah. really, and a sort oh, of yeah, pint-sized yeah. tin, top, yeah. and they fit together. Um, and the great thing about that is it's really robust. It doesn't get stuck, which is a problem with those sort of more like vintage yeah. three-piece shakers. It doesn't get clogged up, doesn't get stuck, um, hard to break. And uh, also that glass muddles as a mixing glass, you know, if you're stirring martinis yeah. or fashions as well. And you can also use a pint glass or a breadstick holder or a vase or <laughs> all sorts of other things too. So I've had the same Boston, you know, for 10, 15 years yeah. and it only cost me 10 quid. So that's something I'd definitely get. Um, you'll need a Hawthorne strain to, to go with that. A good jigger is, you know, a measure, a measure is yeah. crucial. I learned that the hard way. So, um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, a good measure. There's one made by a company called Difford's Guide that I recommend in the book, which um, called the Easy Jigger, which has loads of different increments on it. Uh, it's a really well-designed um, jigger, so I'd recommend that. Mm. And then my last thing that I really love to have is a long-handled bar spoon. Not essential, but makes yeah. you feel so much more elegant when you're staring <laughs> a cocktail. Uh, so that's something I always like to have. I love yeah. that. Let's talk a bit about the stirring and the ritual, because I know you, you're you a big fan of the ritual of cocktail making. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> whenever I talk about the ritual of cocktail making, actually, it makes me think back to... Um, an interview I once did with the burlesque artist Dita Von Tees and I was asking her about she's famous for wearing red lipstick yeah. and I and I like wearing red lipstick but I find it a sort of a chore putting it on and I said how how do you sort of <laughs> make it practical to wear red lipstick all the time she said what you need to do is get a beautiful compact and a beautiful lipstick and you need to make a ceremony of it and you need to enjoy putting on your lipstick and I always think of Dita whenever I'm mixing a cocktail because I think it's the same thing when it comes to you know stirring a martini or something like that rather than thinking of it as a chore to be got out of the way it's something where you should enjoy that preparation because that is part of the pleasure of drinking so like taking a moment and thinking about what you're doing exactly i mean really it doesn't take that long it really doesn't take that long um and uh, yeah, just factor, factor it into the drinking. And I think also making a cocktail for someone else as well can feel like a really nice yeah. thing to do. Because you, know, you also said in the book that a, a cocktail's window of perfection is fleeting. Yeah. So yeah. So maybe that sounds contradictory that it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't take that long to do, but you should enjoy it. But at <clears> the same <throat> time... Once the cocktail is ready, you want to be ready to sit down and enjoy it. And so rather than having that problem where, you know, your perfect iced martini is sitting there waiting, suddenly the dog is like, I need to go out. Or, you know, (laughs) your children are like, Mom, can you help me with my homework or something? Set aside that time to just be fully present (laughs) with with the cocktail, I think. Love that. (laughs) And um, finally, you were going to leave us with a 
foolproof formula, just one cocktail formula to learn from heart? Yes. Well, I've de- I've devoted a, an entire chapter to the gin sour, which mm. I think is really the sort of cocktail survival kit of cocktail recipes. So it's a very simple ratio that you need to remember. It's four parts strong. So that could be gin or um, uh, gin, vodka, tequila, any kind of light or white spirit. Four parts strong, two parts sour, so lemon or lime, one part sweet. So that'd be sugar syrup. So to put it another way, you'd be thinking probably 50 mils gin, 25 mils lemon and 12.5 mils sugar syrup. If you get that one onto your belt, you're set for life because that is the basis of so many different cocktails. It's a lovely uh, drink in its own right if you just shake it with ice. But then if you fiddle around with it a bit, you can lengthen it with champagne or soda or tonic water. You can infuse it. I've got a lovely recipe in the book for a Collins where you infuse it with um, Sencha green tea as well. Um, You can change the sugar syrup for liqueurs. It goes on and on. You know, there are so many ways you can twist that one recipe. And it just means that, you know, you know, if you find yourself staying in a kind of Airbnb (laughs) or it's late at night and most of the drinks are run out of a party or something, you've just got the corner shop to go and buy ingredients from. You can always cobble a drink out yeah. of anything if you know that one. That it also means that you're always a person that people are going to go to. Yeah. So, <laughs> Alice is here. Alice can knock. What can you, Alice look at this cupboard? What can you make? But from... you know, sometimes my, my favourite recipes are being created towards the end of the party when you're yeah. left with what's on the table, yeah. and they say, "Can you make a punch out of that or something?" And I cobble it together. So that's also I've got a whole chapter about punches and cups yeah. because they're really versatile kind of user-friendly drinks as well. But I guess you have to be a bit careful with punches because you might end up with a school holidays type punch yeah a bit of a studenty drink in a bin yeah absolutely but um the good ones tend to be quite simple Simple. yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. rather than chucking everything don't throw everything in there but definitely learn that formula four two one that's the one to get under your belt brilliant that's a great one to end on thanks for that alex so your book is out now it's called the cocktail edit um and where can people keep in touch with what you're doing the best place to follow me is on Instagram. I post recipes every week and also um, that will give you news of places that I'm doing events or uh, articles I've got, you know, in the FT where I have a column. So is that at? Uh, At Alice Lassels, just my name, basically. And also the cocktail edit was born out of having conversations with people over Instagram during lockdown. One of the lovely things was people responding to the recipes I was posting, sending me pictures of what they were drinking, their own twists they'd come up with. You know, that was, as I say in the book, that was all part of the sort of genesis of the book. So please do get in touch with me, share your recipes and let me know what you think of mine. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming to chat to us today. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Olive Magazine podcast. For more recipes and inspiration, head to olivemagazine.com. And as Christmas approaches, do check out our new online olive shop, where we have thousands of gourmet ingredients, drinks and gifts from some of the UK's finest small businesses, as well as a new range of beautiful curated hampers. You can buy as many products as you like in one easy and secure checkout experience. We'll let the merchants know where to send their products and you'll receive the order directly from them. Just visit shop.olivemagazine.com and if you spend a minimum of £25 and enter the code OLIVEHAMPERS at checkout, we'll give you an extra 10% off. Thank you.